Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, hey, Pathways, what's up, guys? How we doing? Good? Good. Hey, I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us, whether you're here in the room or online. We're so glad that you are with us today. You know, the other day I was spending time with my in-laws, Pete and Robin. We, we love them. I've, I've gotten so blessed with my, my in-laws. But, you know, there's this kind of this running joke in our family. That there's one thing that kind of drives me a little bit nuts uh, about my, my in-laws. Uh, and everybody just was like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. It's okay. We've had conversations about it. We're good, right? Uh, but what it is, is is this. I've got two boys, Liam and Levi, and they're the first grandkids. So this means they're spoiled rotten, okay? They are spoiled by grandma and grandpa, and so uh, they, they have this thing they call the snack drawer, okay? Now, it's this drawer that is full of all the goodies, okay? It's got uh, all sorts of fruit snacks and cookies and cakes and all sorts of really, really good stuff. Uh, but what, especially for if you're little, but also if you're about this tall. Let me tell you, there's some really good stuff in there. Uh, but, you know, where, where do you think they keep that drawer? You think they keep it up high? No, it's like down, it's like the lowest drawer that they can find in the house. It's like down here. And so even my two-year-old can stare over all of it and pick his, his favorites, right? Well, the other day we were there for Thanksgiving. We had a great meal and we're, we're spending time with them. And my, my son Levi comes up to me with some fruit snacks. And we've already had a, a long day of eating a bunch of food. And he comes up to me with these fruit snacks and he, he's not really verbal, but he kind of grunts at me like a caveman. Like he's like, <laughs> right? And he's trying to get me to open up the fruit snacks. And I look at him in this moment. I'm like, you know, Levi, we've had a lot of sugar. I don't want you to get sick, buddy. So... Uh, I'm going to say no. And my son stomps off. My little tiny toddler, which makes it really cute, he like stomps off with his fruit snacks and is all angry, goes back into the kitchen. And I don't hear him for a while, okay? Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, I haven't seen him. I haven't heard him in a, in a while. And I don't know how he, if he just got like He-Man strength and opened it up or if somebody opened, him up, opened up for him, I'm not going to go down that road. Uh, but I walk into the kitchen and sitting in the corner of the room is my two-year-old. And he is sitting there. And have you guys ever seen Lord of the Rings? You know Smeagol, right? So my son is sitting in the corner of the kitchen like this. And he's just eating them as fast as he possibly can. And the second I walk in, he stops and he just stares at me. I guess a good four seconds. He's just like... And then he eats them as fast as he possibly can because he knows that I'm going to be coming over and taking them as soon as I get to him. You know, it's, it's a really funny picture of how we view authority. Parents in the room, you know that when it comes to kids, we get to see a little bit of how our kids interact with authority. And sometimes it's, it's funny because it's a picture of how we act around authority. You know, we've been in this series, Retracing Christmas, and we're looking at the reason we celebrate Christmas, which Sunday School Answer is... Oh, come on. My middle, my middle schoolers would have had that, which is Jesus. Thank you, right? We're celebrating and looking at Jesus and his character and who he is, right? And so 
Last week, Pastor Adam looked at Jesus as our king, that Jesus is authoritative, uh, that Jesus is all powerful, that he has the power of life and death in his hands, that that's how powerful our king is. Well, today I wanna look at a different, uh, different word to describe Jesus, and that word is Lord. Here's why this word is really important and it's really, really cool. Because you see, the first time that anybody on the earth heard about the birth of Jesus, this was the word that was used to describe him. See, what happens is the, the angels sweep low to the shepherds and they begin to tell him about this, this king that has been born. And this is what they say. This is Luke 2, 11. It says this, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the, the Messiah, the Lord. In fact, you just sang those same exact words in, the, in that, that carol that we just sang, oh, come all you faithful. The end of the chorus, there's this line, Christ the Lord. Now, here's what I find interesting about the word Lord is that for a lot of us, we don't know what it actually means. We've heard it all of our lives. We've sang it all of our lives, but to us, it's the same as king. Well, what I wanna talk about is this word Lord and how different it is and the impact it can have on your life if you actually know what it means. See, if you look at the word king uh, in the Webster's Dictionary, it says this, it's one whose position is hereditary and who rules for life. Now that word rules indicates that whoever is the king has the authority and the power to create the rules. In other words, when you're calling somebody king, you're saying this, you have power and authority over me. See, when you call Jesus your king, what you're saying is this, Jesus, I recognize that you have authority, that you have the authority of life and death. I recognize that authority. But this is completely different than the word Lord. The word Lord is defined this way. It's a, a ruler by hereditary right to whom, catch this, service and obedience are due. So when you call Jesus your king, you're recognizing that he has power. But when you call him Lord, you're saying, you are worthy of my service. I will be obedient to you. My entire life will reflect that I am obedient to your power. That everything I do will go through the lens of your holy words and your scripture. That every part of my life will line up that way. See, I think my son taking those fruit snacks is a beautiful picture of the difference between these two. See, my son came to me because he knew that I had authority. He recognized that I had the authority to say yes or no. He recognized that, or, or he just wanted to open up, I don't know. Um, but he, he recognized that I had some level of authority that I could say yes or no. But when he received an answer that he didn't like, he did it anyways. Now here's the reality. I think for a lot of us, this is what our relationship with Jesus looks like. We're fine with Jesus being our savior. We're fine with Jesus being our king. But when it comes to Lord... We, we tend to hold back a little bit. We begin to look like my toddler. This was a, a problem even for the disciples. It, it says this in Luke 6, 46. Jesus is talking to his disciples and having this conversation. And he says this, it's a mic drop moment. I love it. He says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In other words, you, you keep on calling me Lord, but why in the world do your actions not line up with what you're saying? You're calling me Lord while doing stuff that I would never have you do. See, Jesus is, is, is saying that if we want him to be our Lord, 
Our actions must change. What's important to us must change. And that applies to our entire lives. And I think this is really important because I think, especially in the Christmas season, we often find excuses to not make Jesus our Lord. Go, ah, man, well, I'm just too busy. Ah, oh, man, I, I, I want to give my family a good Christmas, so I'm, I, I'm gonna hold on to these finances. Oh, I, I wanna do it my way. And, and here's what I've learned in my life, that when it comes to Jesus being my Lord, it's a season becomes an excuse for me. It's a season becomes this excuse to be over-controlling and to not let God have things. I go, oh, boy, it's just a season. It's a season of busyness. Uh, it's just a season. It's okay if I overspend. It's just a season if I, it's okay if I hold on to this thing that I want. Oftentimes it becomes an excuse for me. And here's the other, the other staunch truth to look at is this, that Jesus wants to be your Lord in season and out. There is no season to following Jesus. Jesus is not looking for, him, for, for you to make him Lord over Sunday mornings. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for you to make him Lord of your entire life. This is what he says to the disciples in Matthew 16, 24. He, it says this, and Jesus said to his disciples, stop right there. If you follow Jesus in this room, you are a disciple. Jesus is saying this to you. He says this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. If Jesus truly is going to be our Lord this holiday season and our entire lives, he doesn't just want a piece of you. He wants all of you. And so the question that I want to ask you today looks like this. Where do you look like my toddler? Where do I look like my toddler? What are the things in your life where you recognize that God says this, but you want this? What are the areas of your life where you go, you know what, God, I know you say I should give up my finances, but I, I'm just gonna hold on to this for now. I, I know that you want me to serve and use my time for other people, but ah, I want this, I, th this is mine. I know you say this about my lifestyle or my sin, but you know what, I, I want this, this is, this is mine. Where do we look like Smeagol in our lives? You know, this past week I had the opportunity to sit down with a bunch of people who are so much older and so much wiser than I am and have followed Jesus for a long time. And when I got the privilege of sitting down with them, I asked them this question. I said, where in your lives have you struggled to make Jesus Lord? And it was incredible to listen to these, these people that have so much more wisdom than I do because they, they started to recount their lives and all of the areas of their lives where Jesus wasn't Lord for a long period of time. But I also got to hear what happened after they made Jesus Lord of those areas of their life. As I sat with them, they, really everything boiled down to three T's. And I, I wanna share those with you today. These are the three T's where we struggle to submit. The first is this right here. It's your time. You know, the other day I was sitting down with Michelle uh, Vanderlyn. She's our executive director here at Pathways. Um, we love her. She's absolutely awesome. And, and she does so much to make this place run. Like, uh, she, we won't see her on stage. You won't see her on a, a video. But she does a ton to make Pathways the place that it is. And, and the other day I was sitting with her and we were having a conversation. And uh, one of the things she always ends our meetings with is this. How can I help you? How can I help further your area of ministry? How can I, I help your reach? How can I help you develop as a leader? And as she was saying this, I had this tongue-in-cheek comment that I, I just threw out there. And what I said was this, Michelle, you want, you want to help me? 
give me 25 hours a day and eight days a week and I'll, I'll, I'll solve the world's problems. Just give me a little bit more time. I wonder how many of you guys would say the same exact thing, especially in this season. Oh, I'm busy. If I just had a little bit more time, here's what I've learned with, with this. It doesn't matter how much time you actually have. If you don't know how to steward the time you you're currently have, you're going to struggle with busyness your entire life. So this time of year, the Lord of busyness becomes our Lord instead of Jesus being our Lord. Now, here's the deal. Not everything is something that you can cut off your plate. Because I've heard so many sermons uh, from a, a church standpoint like this where they're like, all right, let's talk about time. You just need to be present with your families and maybe sit on the couch with a, a good movie and wear your Christmas pajamas and, and quit everything. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying quit your job, okay? Um, I had somebody walk out in the first service. All right, we're gonna just quit. No, 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 don't do that, okay? You need to still pay for things. You still need to do things, right? We, we can't just quit our entire schedule for the next two months and hibernate, though we wish we could, right? But here's what I've learned. We can take the schedule and the time that we have and we can use it to glorify God. I love what 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says. It says this, so whatever you eat, or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, we can take a look at our busy schedules and we can make sure that they're actually glorifying God. So how do we make Jesus Lord over time? A couple things I wanna give you. The first is this, it's quite simple. Schedule out your time. I'd encourage you to sit down as a family and look at your schedule. Look at what you're spending time on. And if I really can encourage you, I'd encourage you to start from scratch pull out a blank calendar for the month of December and January and begin to add things. And as you add them to your calendar, begin to pray over them, right? Maybe it's your job that you're adding to your calendar because you can't get rid of that. Start praying over your job that God would use it to glorify him. The second thing you can be praying for is this. God, is this something that you want from me? Is this something that serves you or does it serve me? So take time and put your calendar together in a way that serves God, in a way that honors God, in a way that makes him Lord. A couple of things you can throw on your calendar right away. Christmas Eve service. It services at two, uh, four, and at, at noon. I'd encourage you to go ahead and throw that on your calendar right now. And while you're doing that, think about somebody you can bring with, right? Another thing you can throw on, if, you have a if you're a parent of a student or you're a student in this place, January 6th through 8th, we're gonna have our winter retreat. It's called Deep Dive. It's gonna be an incredible opportunity for your student to grow. It'd be a great Christmas gift. Could you imagine what would happen? Uh, what a better gift that you could give to your kids than the opportunity to grow. First thing you need to do is schedule. The second is this. In the time you have scheduled, be present. Parents, that means that we put down our phones. Maybe you're somebody that has adult kids and you say, you know what, what should I do? Give them a call. Not to tell them that they're doing something wrong or not to tell them that they're messing something up, but to tell them that you love them, to see how their life is going, to ask them where they're seeing Jesus in their everyday lives. Uh, maybe you're a grandparent, off to watch the grandkids, right? Uh, maybe you're a parent in this room. You know what you can do? You can go and be active in the life of your parents. You know, some of the, the best moments I, I've, I've had, some of the, the, the most wise words that I've heard in my life come, came from uh, my, my wife's grandfather, Roger. He, he passed away two, two years ago in, in this, this holiday season. But some of the best moments that I had with Roger were the moments we grabbed a cup of coffee and sat down in his house and I just let him talk and lead me in wisdom. 
Parents, don't miss that. The kids can play in the living room and you can connect with your parents and be present. The third thing we can do is this. We can take a moment to rest. This is a biblical concept. It's something that we need to understand. But on top of that, it's important for you. It's important that you're resting. If you have paid time off, take a day off, burn a day, and actually rest in the season of busyness and craziness. Take moments to rest. Because here's, and here's why it's important. Because if you don't, you're gonna enter January and you're gonna be burned out, tired, stressed, and your credit card's gonna be maxed. It's the second thing that, the second T that we need to surrender lordship over is this. It's our treasure. You know, December is one of the, the typical American overspending months. If you look at Dave Ramsey, he would say that the average American family will spend $1,500 on Christmas this year. Many of them are thrown out on a credit card and they'll deal with it in January. We overspend, and, and here's, here's what I've learned. You can tell a lot about who you serve by watching your money. You can tell a lot about what you care about by watching your money. That's just the, the reality, and, and here's the thing I know. I know that there's some people here uh, that when the church talks about finances, you have this gut reaction where you're like, oh, I don't wanna talk about that, but here's the deal. You can't make Jesus Lord of your life if he's not Lord of your finances. <laughs> This is something that Jesus actually backs up. This is something that Jesus like really heavily gets into with his disciples. It says this in Luke 16, 13. No one, no one, that's not you, that's everybody. No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and you'll love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So how do we do this? How do we make Jesus Lord over our finances? couple things we can do. The first is this, start budgeting, right? Take a look at your budget and begin to look at how you're spending your money. This is something that we call stewardship. You know, the, the reality is that I work hard for my money. I make sure that I'm at work as early as I can and make sure that I, I'm doing my job at 100%, right? But what I've come to realize is that money isn't mine in the first place that in my life, I have never earned a penny. And here's why. I can't work without the breath in my lungs. I can't work without my health. I, I can't work without my job. I, I, can't, I can't work without all of the blessings that God has given to me. Am I doing work? Yes. But it's only because God has blessed me with the ability to work. I don't own a penny. There is nothing in my life that is mine because my life is owed to Christ. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to steward my resources in a way that I look like a 10-year-old was given a $20 bill and walked into Quick Trip. I don't want that in my life. I want Jesus to look at the way that I steward my finances and go, he gets it. That's the first thing we can do is make sure that we budget. If you don't know how to do that, we got a budgeting workshop. I encourage you to get plugged in there. The second thing we can do is this we can consider giving. You know, we got a student in our, our youth group who's 16 years old, and uh, the other day I was talking to him, he said, he said, Michael, I found this verse that says that I should be giving 10% of my, my income. What, what, what does that look like? How do I do that? And I was, was walking him through, well, we got these tithe buckets, you could put them in there, and he's like, well, no, I, I want to make sure that the first thing I do is give. 16-year-old kid, right? How incredible is that? And so I was able to take this 16-year-old kid, and every two weeks when he gets paid, he pays his tithe right out of it. Isn't that wild? A 16-year-old kid, but he gets it. 
He understands that that money isn't his to begin with. And if a 16-year-old can understand that, we can understand that. We can understand that that is not ours to have. Here's the other thing I've learned when it comes to tithing. I know that's scary. For some of you are saying, Michael, you don't know what I make. I don't know if I can give up anything. Here's what I've learned in my life, even as a newlywed that had nothing. I learned that when you are faithful with the 10%, the 90% becomes enough. When you're faithful in that 10%, even if that check looks pretty big, that 90 becomes enough for you. That's because of Jesus. That's what Jesus does for us. You know, maybe you're somebody that you're more well-resourced, right? You're like, okay, I get the whole budgeting thing. I'm already giving. Maybe you can consider giving for our Christmas Eve offering. Maybe you can consider giving through Pathways to our missions partners that we're gonna give 100% of our offering to on Christmas Eve. To, to go throughout the valley and to change lives. See, if we want Jesus to be our Lord, we need Jesus to also be Lord over our finances. The final thing, the final T that we struggle to make Jesus Lord over is this. It's our tree. You know, one of my favorite things about Christmas is the Christmas tree. Now, uh, Dre did an incredible job, him and his team with the stage back here and putting these beautiful fake trees up. Uh, yeah, come on, give it up for him. He's, their team, it works really hard to make stuff like this happen. But I'm more of a real tree person, okay? So like, there's nothing better for me than walking into the house, my kids greet me at the door, and I can smell that sweet pine tree smell. Like, oh man, that's absolutely incredible. But you know, one of the reasons that I love Christmas trees is because I think they're a beautiful picture of family. Right, you have the tree that's rooted in the right spot and you've got this, this trunk that goes up, right? That's your marriage, that's you and your, your spouse. And then you have all of these branches that come off and are growing because of where you're rooted. What a beautiful picture of family. But here's the other reason I think it's, it's a beautiful picture of family. Christmas trees look really good from far away. But the second you get close, you realize that there's some branches that go in weird directions, right? There's some stuff that's not quite there. You're like, if my family was a, Char- was a, a Christmas tree, I'd be the Charlie Brown tree, you know, like that, that's, that's my family, Michael. The other reality is that for some of you, your tree's missing a couple branches. You have some adult kids that have decided that they want nothing to do with you and nothing to do with Jesus. I wanna recognize that. I also know that there's some of you that you're like, Michael, my tree is dead in the corner. Like I'm... I, January 5th, dead. You know what I'm saying? That is my tree. It's just, a, it's just one solid branch up the middle. That's it. Well, here's what I want you to know. Regardless of what your family looks like, regardless of the mistakes you've made, regardless of the, the brokenness that happens inside your home, Jesus wants to be Lord over your family. Whether it's a perfect, beautiful looking family or there's a lot of mess, Jesus still wants to be Lord over your family and, and he wants it to be something that glorifies him. But in order for this to happen, we need to make him Lord over our lives first. This is something that Jesus illustrates with some really harsh words in Luke 14. Uh, Luke 14, 25 through 27 says this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. 
Now, now here's, here's not what Jesus is saying. This is not permission for you to send a text to that uncle or aunt that you don't wanna spend time with, okay? That, they'll be like, all right, cut them out of the family. That's not what this says, okay? Please don't do that. You're like, oh, my pastor told me to. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. What Jesus is trying to illustrate here is this, the importance of us as believers having him first, especially when it comes to our families. Because we can't make Jesus Lord of our families if we're unwilling to make Jesus Lord of our own lives. Here's the other thing I've learned. I I grew up in Northeast Wisconsin, so I also know this, that there's sometimes where that line between family and Lord can get blurred and our families can become our Lord. Let me tell you, that's gonna lead to a lot of pain. Jesus wants to be Lord first and foremost. And, And here's the question that we really need to answer when it comes to our families is this. What impact would it have on your family if your kids saw you making Jesus Lord of your life? What impact would it have on your kids, whether they are this big or they are this big? What impact would that have? I can tell you one thing, they're going to begin to see Jesus. So how do we do this? How do we make Jesus Lord of our families? A couple things we can do. The first is this. Parents, we need to walk the walk. We cannot expect our kids to do something that we're unwilling to do. You can't expect your kids to put Jesus first if Jesus is fifth for you. You need to make Jesus first and foremost the Lord of your life. And then we can talk about making him over your family. We need to have an actual walk. We need to illustrate to our kids why we walk, why we follow Jesus. We need to illustrate it, right? That Christmas tree, if you take it outside, out of the water and you sit it in the corner, it's gonna die really fast. But when it's planted in the correct place, it'll last months. Why? Because it's planted in the right spot. It has growth and, and nutrients are there to feed it. Parents, you can't do this alone. You need to make Jesus Lord of your life if you're going to raise godly kids. Second thing is this, we need to talk the talk. In our houses, we need to talk about Jesus. And one of the things that I love is hunting. I spend a lot of time hunting and talking about hunting and my poor wife and kids have to listen to me go on and on and and have it in the back of my mind at all times. And it's to the point where like my kids hear about it and my kids are now running around our house with like turkey decoys and Nerf guns and playing hunter. It's really fun. Like it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, But I couldn't help but think as I prepped this sermon, what would my home look like if instead of talking about hunting all of the time, I talked about Jesus all the time. If everything I talked about was Jesus, Jesus did this for me. Jesus did that for me. Look how good Jesus is. Look what he did for for my heart. I love Jesus. He's incredible. What if that became the language that came out of my mouth every single day? Imagine how that would impact my kids. Parents, you want your kids to be passionate about Jesus? Become passionate about Jesus. And if you're not passionate about Jesus yet, check your heart because you, know what? You, you might be missing the point. Because you cannot, if you don't recognize what Jesus did for you, you're never gonna be passionate about it. We need to become passionate and talk the talk with our families. And the, the third is this, we need to use our families to serve other people. See, if Jesus is gonna be Lord of your family, if he's going to rule your family, you have to start caring about things that he cares about. What does Jesus care about? Jesus cares about broken people. Jesus cares about hurting people. Jesus cares about people who have gone through a lot of stuff. 
That's who he cares about. I, I love there was a, 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 one of our prayer partners that I was talking to this week that she put it this way. Jesus cares about the woman at the back door of the abortion clinic. That's who Jesus cares about. So maybe in this season, you need to look at where you are serving as a family. Maybe you need to get involved somewhere here at Pathways, at Pathways Kids or Pathways Students or on stage or doing tech or out in the lobby. Or maybe you need to look at our community and go, where can I serve? There's a couple places you can do that. People that we work with on a daily basis here at Pathways. You can help out at Vita. Vita is a, a clinic that's across the road from here and you can help men and women who are experiencing unplanned pregnancies. You could be a light to say, this is what your family can look like if Jesus is allowed in. The brokenness that you're experiencing right now, if you just let Jesus in, this is what you can look like as a reflection of Jesus. Another thing you can do is get involved with Freedom Food Pantry, the place that we serve here in the Valley. Maybe you can get involved. It's in January, but our second Saturday and serve with Feeding America. This could be an incredible opportunity for your kids to see you serve like Jesus. No kids want to follow their parents through selfish stuff. They want to follow their parents through service. If we want our families to say Jesus is Lord, especially in this season, we need to serve like Jesus is Lord. Now here's what I know. Placing Jesus as your Lord, it's not going to make you rich. It's not going to give you more time you're not getting 25 hours a day and eight days a week. I'm sorry. It's also not going to give you a perfect family. It's not. But you know what it's going to give you? Peace. It's going to give you a peace that surpasses all of your understanding this Christmas season. It's going to give you a peace that allows you to deal with life, that regardless of what happens, you are covered because you've given up control. Gives you an attitude like some of these older and wiser people that I've sat with in the last week that looks like this. Whatever happens, it's okay because Jesus hasn't. It's God's. Another pandemic happens, we're fine. We'll be all right. Everything falls apart. I lose my job. We'll be fine. Jesus has that. He's in control. So the question that I want to ask you, if, if you're somebody that's fallen Jesus today is this, where do you look like my toddler? Maybe for you, it, it, it's your finances. Jesus isn't Lord of your finances yet. You need to consider giving or you need to consider budgeting, stewarding your resources well. Maybe for you, it's, it's your time. You've been spending your time on everything that serves you and nothing that serves Jesus. Maybe it's your family. I don't know what it is for you. But here's what I do know. Jesus' call to you to make him Lord is it's the ultimate call. Across all areas of your life in every moment of your day. And so I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know, I don't know where your struggle is. But if you would say, Michael, I need to make Jesus Lord over some area of my life, I want you to just raise your hand right now. We're gonna pray over you. You say, Michael, I need Jesus to be Lord over something. All across this room, if you're that, thank you, I see you. If you want Jesus to be Lord over everything, I want you to just raise your hand so we can pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our congregation. I thank you for pathways.
I thank you for the hearts of our people that we want you to be Lord. Father, I pray that you are Lord at Pathways Church, that every single person who walks in feels the need to drop to their knees at your feet and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want you to have it all. Father, I pray that you help us as we walk through this week, that you'd give us this heart that says, I wanna submit to you. Father, search us. As the psalmist says, search us and know our anxious thoughts. Know where we offend you with our sin. Father, we just ask that you'd help us through that. And then we pray, amen. Here's what I also know. There's some of you online or here in this place that when I talk about a family tree, you say, Michael, my tree's dead. It's in the corner. Here's what I need you to know. We serve a God who restores. We serve a God who takes broken things and makes them new. We serve a God who takes dead things and makes them alive. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. And thousands of years ago, he sent his son, not as a baby, but as a savior, as a king, as a Lord, and he wants you. And so if you need Jesus today, you say, Michael, I want to make Jesus my Lord for the very first time. This is for you. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life today, if you're online, you can type in, I'm giving my life. But if if you want to make Jesus Lord today, I want you to just raise your hand all across this place. If that's you, thank you. I see you. I see you. I see you over there. See you guys in the back. I see you up here. See you back there. Wait another moment. I see you. Thank you. Don't enter this Christmas season without the peace that comes from knowing your Lord. Anybody else? Just wait another moment. You know, one of my favorite things about Pathways is we don't pray alone here. And so we're, we're going to pray together and ask that you repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I repent and I turn to you. I ask that you would be Lord of my life. Every day, every season, every moment. Father, I repent of my sins and turn to you. I pray my life would glorify you. Thank you. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen.